We're going to do a podcast now. Let's do it. We're going to record it. So many, so many, so many damn books. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Courtney Mom in the damn library with us. <laughs> um, Courtney is the author of the novels Touch, and I'm having so much fun here without you. The chapbook Notes from Mexico and the forthcoming handbook Before and After the Book Deal, A Writer's Guide to Finishing, Publishing, Promoting, and Surviving Your First Book. Her writings and essays have appeared widely, and she is the founder of the Learning Collaborative, The Cabins, and she also works as a product and cosmetic shade namer from her home in Connecticut. That is such a cool... Thank you very Kicker much. Kicker at the end. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, it's exciting to be able to put that on my in the uh, about the author. Yeah, it's nice. Thank it's, you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, oh, thanks for coming. I'm so glad you could come. Um, we're so excited to talk about your book, but we talk about other things first. Yes. Starting with the drink. Booze. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our refreshment on this far too hot yeah it's like 85 degrees in in autumn um all right it's first day of autumn happy first day of autumn a happy first day of autumn (laughs) (laughs) so this drink is inspired by costa alegre um i was just uh messing around with mint simple syrup at home um it's actually steeped with mint tea and uh I was tr- thinking of the book and thought like, oh, I've got this mezcal from Mex- Mexico and tequila. And I just, with lime and a little bit of orange seltzer with some mint sprigs on top for the bouquet. That mint syrup really does a, it's an interesting. Well, infused with the mint tea too is mm-hmm. sort of a baller move, honestly. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps it being, from being too saccharine. This is a mighty good drink. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I am. I'm, yeah, and I'm calling it the um, La Bufanda which is um, Pegin's favorite, uh, one of her fun words that she's discovered. It's one of her, she, I think she only has two yes. in the book. <laughs> <laughs> two words that make her happy, la bufanda, which is scarf. So it's appropriate for the first, it really is a very Ooh, appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that was Although purpose. it's 97 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, I'm so glad you like it. It's very refreshing. Ugh. We need it. Well, this means yeah. a lot to me because when I fir- I lived in France for a long time and I had a hard, hard time getting a visa for any kind of job that I would want to do because they were all sort of low level like office jobs that came with visas. So I held out as long as I could and I ended up being a party promoter for Corona. Uh-huh. But part of our portfolio, we had all the Negro Modelo beers. So Corona, Pacifico, Clara and Negro Modelo. And then we brought on this tequila, tequila mm. Herradura. And it was a great product. And so the other part of my job was to go to five-star hotels. This was back in 2003. Today, I, it would have been an amazing job. But in 2003, no one knew what to do with, you know, top-shelf tequila. Because mm-hmm. um, you couldn't shoot it. But these were expensive bottles. So I would go and have these meetings with people in these five-star hotels and try to teach them to sip tequila i mean forget <laughs> about mezcal that wasn't on the scene yet and no one could manage to sell this stuff they just didn't and the winning the the top seller in france got a trip to the agave farm in mexico and i wanted to win it so bad but i sold like <laughs> five bottles the entire year but now it's so trendy i yeah. think i would have been really living the life if yep. i'd <laughs> kept that show. i wouldn't so have funny. written any books but <laughs> <laughs> but you would have been an incredible tequila promoter yeah that's true <laughs> great doors, commission you know? yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you could have been gwyneth paltrow <laughs> could have been oh could have been <laughs> um so that's the drink yeah and nice. we'll, we'll be you'll be it. hearing it as we You'll record here, do you want to talk about a book you bought? Drew? Sure. Uh, I've got two. They are both very September feeling books. Uh, both are brand new or new ish. Uh, the Not Wives by Carly Moore, that's out from Feminist Press. Mm-hmm. And it's. It's an Occupy set novel and just something something about it. Um, they had pinged us. Uh, it was on their list. And I was like, oh, this does sound really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
weirdly, as I was picking that up, I also picked up a copy of Caleb Crane's Overthrow, which is another like Occupy. Occupy. I don't yeah. know. It's something huh. about the air in Could it September. be the coming election? Mm-hmm. I think it is. <laughs> it's trying to look back and see what we've all done wrong. Mm-hmm. So much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I've got. Oh, nice. Courtney, how about you? Well, I'm very excited because i just used my credit card at um green light bookstore i just came from the brooklyn book festival and i went to um a panel called coming out and of age that was um moderated by alex chi so it, it was just an amazing panel cool and i had books of two of the panelists but not two others so i ran out and i bought um nicole dennis ben's patsy and Casey Gerald's There Will Be No Miracles Here. Mm. So a novel and a memoir. Um, I'm super psyched. Yeah, those sound great. That sounds like a cool panel, too. Oh, it was yeah. an amazing panel. T. Kira Madden was on it. I already oh, have cool. her book. So, um, oh, cool. Um, yeah, no, and it was great. It was, re- it, was, it was filled to capacity. It was a very exciting moment. Well, Al- Alexander Chi also has a... Yes. Has a big following of people that just like they were him. there yeah. Yeah. yeah all the all, all the chi heads yeah yeah totally. Uh, um he's a he was a former guest on the show go find that episode if you haven't heard it it's I a haven't. good one i would love to yeah people i i will have listen to it on my five hour drive <laughs> perfect <laughs> christopher um i actually went and bought a book from Greenlight bookstore for their <laughs> they do that party at the beginning of the brooklyn book festival every year and so i went to that and um they just had an enormous stack of these um a uh, permanent record by Mary H.K. Choi. Okay. And it's this beautiful acetate cover, um, which I guess that's trendy again, which is nice. <laughs> I always liked that type of cover. <laughs> um, it's a really cool looking book that's like um, about teens falling in love over social media and, and how their social media affects their lives. Mm. Cool. And I also got this other book that I think, um, you know, ties into that one uh actually at the uh the small press fair a couple weeks ago that was in front of the brooklyn um public library mm-hmm. i got um how to Dis- disappear in america without a trace hmm. by Ooh. suzanne burner can it still be done um that's what this is it's yeah. actually a literal um how to yeah it's not like oh wow writings on the subject it's i think about step by step how to disappear um and it's uh I'm, I, you know, I think once you fall in love on social media, it's served its purpose, and now you, now can, you can disappear. Now you can disappear oh, in America without a okay. trace. <laughs> cool. So I'm really excited to um, read both of these. Yeah. Very cool. Um, we also bought and read um, <laughs> your book, <laughs> uh, Costa Alegre. Um, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful book out from Tin House. Uh, t- can you tell our listeners what it's about? Sure. So Costa Alegre is my first work of historical fiction, and it begins in 1937. Um, it's a couple years earlier than when this happened in real life. In around 1941, Hitler had um, put on an art show, a giant uh, exhibit, of culturally degenerate artworks. Mm -hmm. And the sort of gallery catalog ended up functioning as a hit list for all the artists and intellectuals and some novelists or writers. Yeah, that he was going to round up, incarcerate, eventually kill. So there was an American journalist at the time named Varian Fry who started something called the Emergency Rescue Committee committee (laughs) (laughs) emergency rescue committee and peggy guggenheim was one of the bank rollers peggy guggenheim the um heiress and art collector one of the bank rollers of this um so she helped these a-list artists you know some of the most important artists of that generation and still today actually get out of europe they went by plane the a-listers the d-listers had to go by boat along Mm. with most of this art Um, So again, in real life, most of them were in New York. Um, They were taken under her wing, specifically other people's wings. Now, Costa Alegre imagines all of this happening, but from the point of view of Peggy Guggenheim's 15-year-old daughter, um, 
who was named Pagin Vale mm-hmm. Guggenheim in this book. She's fictionalized as Lara Calloway and her mother's Leonora. And um, instead of our artists arriving in New York, they are shepherded to the jungle in Western Mexico, an, a region that, called Costa Alegre that actually exists. Um, there's about 10 with staff, maybe a dozen people sort of marooned in this weird house on a cliff. And the Costa Alegre is the diary of this young girl, Lara, and it recounts what's happening while these artists are in exile waiting to find out if there's war and also waiting to find out if their own artwork and thus her inheritance is going to arrive or not. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, they're waiting for the boat. The whole time. Right. It's like the ship of fools, except it's a real. (laughs) (laughs) It's um, all along with all of that is it's really funny because it's this. Oh, thank you. um, (laughs) This teenager's voice um, throughout so many um, exclamation points and like (laughs) double question marks and things um, that I just, you know, you you just don't encounter that many um, that much fun with punctuation. It's. This is making me nervous. Did I go nuts with the explanation? There's not like double explanation. <laughs> no, no, no. But she just, you know, she's... Well, she has she's moments expl- of, rare moments of optimism. It's it's nice that you said that because I had a, there was an editor that turned this down because she felt uncomfortable with the humor amidst really? all the, yeah, with the rest of the serious content. She was just like, I don't see how it fits in. And I thought, well, I I guess we can't work together. Because <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I mean, I think the the diary has, it's not just a straight up diary. It's the only object she has been allowed to, br- or had time really to bring to mm-hmm. Mexico. She didn't, couldn't bring any of her own art supplies. She, she herself is longing to be an artist. She has no friends. There's no one who speaks her language. There's no English books. So she just has this diary. So there's drawings in it. There's lists. There's letters that she's intending to send but there's no way to send the letters Mm -hmm. and so the the tone of voice does fluctuate there's times where she's feeling dreamy or really angry at her mom and the explanation points are coming in or she's trying out a sort of a new literary voice Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of playful content but some some sad stuff too can can you talk about finding the form of the diary like was it always that it started as a diary oh god no of course not no i have (laughs) i i thankfully now when i first started working i have the same agent now rebecca gradinger for all four of my books and when i first started with her the poor woman i would literally like hot off the presses do the first draft me like i i don't mean to toot my own horn but like it's brilliant (laughs) right (laughs) and uh, you know 17 months later i was still working on the re- like i have to actually write a tremendous amount of drafts and often the first draft of the book doesn't even come close to what the end of the book so this book started off as a um more of a non-fiction project that took place in the 1970s mm. huh. and it was more about the people who founded this resort in costa Alegre called oh. costa Correas, where the characters start and um i was researching the Guggenheims because I was just thinking about eccentric families and looking for anecdotes to to help um, inspire me really Mm -hmm. and um, I mean long story short when I read Peggy Guggenheim's own memoir you know she mentions her daughter once the way you might like one day a neighbor came by and brought some mail for me that landed at his house instead of mine that was like the extent to which her daughter was mentioned and when so that sent me on a little goose chase to see, well, who was this person? And when I saw that she wanted to be a, um, a writer, <laughs> projecting my own, when it, um, that she wanted to be an artist, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, my God. Right. Huh. What in the hell would that have been like? Your yeah. mom is the most powerful person in art. She can make or break anyone's career. She's neglecting yours, but yet you're you're actually living with and traveling around the world with the, the most powerful artists. Um that's some heavy stuff, mm-hmm. right? So I tried um, I tried the book from different... Once I decided, okay, no, I'm going to commit to the pre-World War II era, I, there's such interesting people in the book mm-hmm. um, in terms of artistic heritage that I did try writing from all different people's point of views. But oh. the reason I wanted to do the book in the first place was to try to find... Lara or you know Pagin's voice mm-hmm. which she's just completely effaced from 
from all she's just not her her paintings survive but mm. um she there's just nothing about her you can't find anything out about this woman and and i wanted her to speak i wanted to hear her side of the story so i settled on the the diary and then um you know the challenge then became well how can i tell the story of what's happening in the wider world because war is coming it just hasn't arrived yet so how can i make this claustrophobic but not um leave enough space and air that we're seeing what the other characters are doing and what they're up to and what their movements mean for for her Mm -hmm. and one of the ways i solved that was i'm familiar with this place where the book takes place in in costa alegre and the architecture there is very specific and all the doorways are round and Mm. very few doors actually have doors and the windows all look at other room it's it's um it's like an Ouroboros type architecture. Weird. So yeah, it's very weird. Um, and the bedroom where she sleeps is a bedroom that I've been in that actually has just a giant round hole that looks out on the ocean and there's no screen. I mean, even now, you know, 2009, there's no screen. So bats fly in and stuff. Mm. Um, there's no door. It's, it, it, and so sort of from any point in the house, you can see what other people are doing uh-huh. so even if she just sat on her mattress all day long right which she doesn't i mean she moves around but um you know she, she's like a spy right. <laughs> on her own well extended family really <laughs> <laughs> one of the joys of this book um is the like teenage side eye um, that she has for these artists like they're all just ridiculous people like she knows she knows them more as like ridiculous humans than right, she does right. as artists so they don't have any of their like the pompous like, like respect yeah. or anything they're just like that one guy who paints in the nude right <laughs> <laughs> right right she she would really like someone to come along and tell her whether or not she has a gift mm-hmm. and none of these artists have done that they're they're they sort of humor her admiration for the pursuit of visual arts, but she, what she's really longing for is one of these, you know, top-notch people to come and say like, "That is important. What you're doing is important. You're good." And we start to see the opposite happening in this book, which is something that made me really sad, but but seems truthful. I mean, you know, I'm no art critic and I'm not an art historian, but if you look at Ak- Pegine Vale Guggenheim's artwork. The, it's forcefully um, or purposely rather naive mm-hmm. and she certainly has a talent but I, I d- my own personal opinion is that it lacks um, I don't know I mean what's what inspiration what, well no the inspiration was definitely there but you know she didn't in my opinion again she didn't have it she didn't have the thing mm-hmm. that like Max Ernst has she didn't have the thing that um, Juna Barnes, I mean, different, Leonora Carrington, the, the, these are people who traverse different mediums, but um, someone asked me the other day in an interview, you know, the famous question, like, can writing be learned? Mm. Uh-huh. I do think you can learn to write, but can you learn to have a distinctive voice, you know? Right. And I think it's the same with visual art. And, and so the idea of this person, because at, at 15, you can really yearn to to be wonderful at something you're that's old enough and you're also old enough i think to start to realize whether or not you you do have that gift yeah and if all you have is a propensity for it well then what can you still make it your profession Mm -hmm. you know is it enough to really be diligent um and to want something or do you do you actually have to have you know, if one believes in God, like a God-given talent. Mm. I don't know. This is a question I think about yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, for your own work or for your for your own stuff or just when you're reading something or... or well, I find... I think that I all of my books deal with the, the uh, creativity and the pursuit of creativity and the um, attempt to make a livelihood out of your creativity. So in different ways, you know, I've written from different characters points of views where they're they're succeeding or they're not or they're succeeding like in my first book the narrator is starting to have commercial success at the exact moment where he realizes he's a hack and that his work is just like shit Mm. but people are buying it up he's doing these cheesy realistic paintings and they're selling like wildfire and 
so he tries to do this you know gritty installation and 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 um I don't think he's a great talent. I mean, I made him up. I made him up. Whereas in my second book, Touch, I think you're dealing with someone who actually does have a gift, a real gift. She's a trend forecaster and she sees things before other people do. But she's working in an environment where gifts don't... Like, you have to make magic happen on on Instagram. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what matters. You can falsify... I mean, I don't. I could talk about this forever, but you can <laughs> falsify magic, like yeah. what magic is and what a gift is and what talent is. It's losing um, its original definition. I think yeah. it, with the with the social media, with the value that social media can place on different um, forms of expression. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's something about this. The moment at which Costa Alegre takes place in the art world, where there was still so much territory being uncovered mm-hmm. yeah and i i love the surrealist movement and the dadaist movement and i found yeah. myself trying to connect the artists in the book yeah. <laughs> to real artists and find and sometimes i was like oh i'm pretty sure that's leonard carrington and then i was like oh no but that doesn't right track. no it doesn't yeah because most of them are composites mm. How did you... So no one person is one person. They're all like smoothies of other people. <laughs> How, what was your recipe for the smoothies? Were, were you... Did you feel freed to do it? Or did you feel like, ah, oh, I kind of have to shoehorn in this angle of this person? No, I certainly didn't feel shoehorned. Because um, there's like some of the timing is completely off there's a salvador dali type character mm-hmm. and like the history that's just this is the wrong time for him to be there but um really what it was was i researched really heavily for a year i mean with the seriousness of which you know i, I would have used to approach like a doctoral thesis or something really really wow. research so i looked at the people who would have who were in peggy guggenheim's um intimate circle mm-hmm. then i looked at the artists who she actually supported and who she actually helps get out of um Europe and then sort of looking at the outer circle of people who complicated Peggy Guggenheim's life and who would have complicated thus Pegine's life so Mm. like Max Ernst had to be in it Mm -hmm. because at the time where Peggy Guggenheim she marries him to get him out of um, a labor camp so he's in a labor camp in Germany Um, at that time madly in love with Leonore Carrington who was madly in love with him Leonora Carrington when he was taken away she had a nervous breakdown sold their, they had a house if I'm not speaking out of turn I think it was in the south of France she had a true nervous breakdown sold it for a bottle of whiskey and ended up in oh a in, I mean you can't make this stuff <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I love it and, and ended up in a um, what did they call uh, sanatorium a sanatorium right in, in I think the north of Spain and so she just they couldn't get to each other so then, I mean, from what I could find out, Max Ernst, he marries Peggy Guggenheim, he ends up having a thing for Pegin. Mm. Perhaps it was reciprocal. But he does start to put her in his paintings. Mm-hmm. So he had to come along to Mexico. This <laughs> like really. And then, you know, there were people, I was very interested in the men who influenced, who sort of whispered into Peggy's ear, like what she should buy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, André Breton and Marcel Duchamp seemed to really influence her, but I, I, I couldn't pick one or the other, so I just blended them together with the sort of patriarchy. <laughs> 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 um, and and Leonora Carrington, I mean, it makes perfect sense that you were like, oh, this, this, but because she, she's also blended with Juna Barnes. Oh. They're mixed up in the same woman and also inspired. There's, I put in, you know, there's every person has like 35% inspiration of people I know in Mexico mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. live in this actual place. And so there's a woman I know there who is a major um, animal protector. So the cool. story of the goat yeah. mm-hmm. where, where um, Lara, they come upon this goat that's tied up and going to be slaughtered. And this, this woman, Hetty is like, Oh no, goat slaughter will happen today. And you know, the, <laughs> steal the goat away and something bad happened so that was um a true story that was told to me by a friend of mine who has a ranch down there and he he had brought this goat as an exchange he owed a guy something and like money you know uh, livestock is, is still money in this mm-hmm. part of mexico so the goat was payment it was just tied up mm-hmm. and this 
woman I know came along, you know, it's just so th- put him in the car, <laughs> drove him home, and then he did escape this goat. And like, you, if you're a goat that escapes in this this part of Mexico, good things are not. It's better that if you were just killed for yeah. the barbecue. <laughs> so yeah, it's a mishmash of fact, fiction, some in jokes. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, it reads some, um, I, I kept thinking of um, I Capture the Castle by oh, Dodie Smith huh. while I was reading this book. You know, it's I need a, to revisit that. That's nice uh, of you to say that. Thank um, you. It's a, you know, because it's a teenager in a, re- like a crumbling yeah. m- manse. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Wandering around having you first. You had me cr- at manse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so all of this stuff, like all of the artists, they're all there and she's dealing with them. But really everything is like through this, like she wants to connect to her mom. She wants yeah. to like matter to her. Mm-hmm. She wants to matter to the people there to like just invite her into conversation. And she just wants to really be held or belong or yeah. um, matter. I mean, this is again, like going back to the real research, I would find these stories of when you know, they moved around a lot and they'd rent all these different summer homes and sometimes Peggy would just forget her daughter. She would pack up and just, because the, you know, the Wild. the help would be packing and then like, forget the daughter. Oh my God. It took me, it's probably a couple of weeks after I had finished reading the book that I found myself starting to think about the way that I was interpreting conversations, like when I was a kid hmm. or the way that, that kids like over the last six years interpreted the conversations like in the lead up to Trump's election, mm. where if yeah. you were to look back, like if you knew what you were looking right. for, but from a kid's point of view, it's just kind of like something weird is going on, but also I have my own shit. Yeah. Pay right. attention to me. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and they need things. Yeah. No, I mean, that's very much on my mind right now. Cause I have a five year old and when Trump uh, air quotes won, <laughs> close air quotes, uh, the election, <laughs> We didn't know what extent, you know, I was like crying and yeah. I, I I didn't know to what extent do we hide this from. So in the beginning, we sort of explained it as like someone very bad, you know, has won something that wasn't necessarily his. But now <clears throat> she wants more details. She wants the examples of the badness. And so we're starting to I mean, there's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're starting to share them. Mm. I mean, it's funny that we're talking about. I, I was thinking about um, maybe just because I'm watching Veep for the first time, but I was thinking of um, Catherine and Selena's relationship versus like um, Laura and. Uh, so what's Catherine? And, and this is because I haven't seen Veep. So Catherine is Selena's daughter, um, okay. and Selena's the president, uh, vice president, and okay. and very much forgotten all the time, constantly. Yeah, yeah. There are a couple of moments where she's like, "Oh, I forgot you were here." Yeah, and it's just like what a fucking thing to hear. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean. The someone reached out to me recently who know who knew Peggy Guggenheim and she's like I think you went too easy on mm-hmm. her. Wow, um, it was worse than that. You know, it was. But well, it's fiction. <laughs> I, I wanted a more hopeful, right. yeah, uh, trajectory for mm-hmm. this young person, and also it's fiction. Do you see your books? You were kind of talking about them. In a, in a, do you see them on a continuum? Do you think of like the Courtney Mom Library? No, like, I thought that they were completely disparate. But it was it was in another interview where someone said to me, "All your books deal with like the the creative pursuit." Mm-hmm. Huh. I was like, oh, "They do." <laughs> <laughs> That's so helpful that you just told me that because I'm not sure, especially with Costa Alegre, which is a departure style wise from mm-hmm. the first two. I was thinking like, gosh, am I all over the place? And then I have this fourth book, which is, you know, like a writing hand guide. Mm-hmm. But then when, when that person said that to me, I thought, oh, no, I am obsessed with what it means, looks like, feels like, um, costs to make art. Mm-hmm. And in that light, my fourth book makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I think... I think um, especially today where it's not a private act anymore mm-hmm. because uh, you're just documenting everything. I mean, as a writer, especially as a, as a, a female author, your publishers really want you on Instagram and social media all the time, taking pictures of every single thing. You know, you'll see people who are sharing to me this. I mean, I would never, but they're sharing uh, the opening chapter to brand new work or mm-hmm. yeah. saying how many 
words they are along in something i just did that i'll admit um on twitter <laughs> but but um th- that stuff used to be incredibly private mm-hmm. yes yeah you know uh, or it was really that was like elite information if you were at a residency or in a situation like costa legue where there are a bunch of other creatives mm-hmm. you could see with your own eyes right. what people were doing but they weren't like tweeting about it <laughs> you know do you think that um is a good a net positive for the creative process that like it's sort of becoming um less private and secret and like less of the secret room or do you think that people are ne- maybe i don't know i hate I hate referencing Franzen in general, um, <laughs> but he, you know, he's like nobody with an internet connection can write a good novel. Um, well, yeah, obviously that's not true. Yeah, obviously that's <laughs> not. But I, I but 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 um, I will say that I think in order for social media to be a positive exper- experience for writers, specifically, if we're talking about writers, um, someone needs to sit them down and school them on like, listen. It's not always going to feel good to, you know, you've got your happy piece of news you want to share. You're going to go on there. And the first thing you're going to see is that, I don't know, the long list came out for some award that, you know, you, you, you're not on or uh, such and such a festival announced their lineup and you're not on it. Or uh, you know you that you had a chance in getting in People magazine and it didn't happen. You know, you, 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 some, that, and that's what my next book is about in part is learning to keep social media as a tool for connections new connections and also staying in touch with people and have fun with it and not let it derail you Mm. from the path of what it is you're trying to accomplish because it can be an amazing i mean i'm able simply through tagging someone on instagram i can all of a sudden dialogue with a with a writer who's much higher station than i am who i might not be in the same room with Mm -hmm. uh, physical room with otherwise and we can just start like like I don't know, I like text a lot with Lisa today or now because of some, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's amazing. That's great. And that can be a wonderful tool. And I think it's really neat when people support each other by showing photos of people's books and all that's great. But I've, I have a lot of friends who I'm not hundred percent sure they're going to get their second books in mm. because they just, and honestly, sure. like they might be ruined. They can't find, they can no longer access that deeply private, like new um new relationship energy (laughs) um (laughs) with the the book that they're working on because they feel like they need to be it's this pavlovian thing they feel like they need to be documenting everything you know Mm -hmm. hashtag i'm writing hashtag i'm writing no you're not writing (laughs) (laughs) um the concentration's gone Mm -hmm. yeah so it's a drug it really is social media is a drug and if you do not learn how much of it you can handle before it overtakes you um no it's not going to be a positive Mm. experience at all yeah i can't help but like apply social media backwards because i just feel like sometimes like new technology isn't actually new it's just sure like newly um packaged yeah but you know i think about something like um the Panero family yeah, and, the, yeah. Uh, um, and the book that you, I'm just like, would that have helped them? Would have that have hurt them? Would they have even been able to have a documentary about them if they had been like documenting themselves this whole time? You know, huh. it was, they oh, did I doc- think it totally, it would have turned in. So, so uh, the pivoting to the Panero family yeah. in the age of disenchantments. Um, I totally see leopoldo maria panero he would have had like the so sad today twitter <laughs> account or it would have been louis any one of those brothers really yeah i think they would have been internet stars yeah they, they were they are similar experience except they would have been paid like the i've been talking back and forth with aaron the author of the age of disenchantments about gen- genteel poverty because mm. he's been starting he's started to be contacted by members of the well he was in touch with a lot of the members of the family but he's like oh i've been working on a like a screenplay adaption and the airs are coming out of the woodwork and i was telling him <laughs> that i'm starting to get some emails from from um different branches of the the guggenheims the book is start it's not something i did but the book is starting to land mm. and i was like heron 
do I need to be prepared for a loss? You know, yeah. and we were talking about how with this genteel poverty thing that is 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 really lushly dis, um, sort of displayed in his book and also the movie that inspired his book. You have these people who they are kind of are like social media influencers because they don't do anything. They don't really get job i mean they get jobs at like literary magazines but mm, come on when right. has that ever paid your rent in brooklyn right? <laughs> and they're in madrid so it's the same thing and they just um sort of they, they do what we do right they, they go to the literary parties and they drink the wine and they eat the food and they come home and they can't heat their house yeah <laughs> so i totally see every single person in that family even the mother could have that blue check verification by their name, <laughs> but they'd be sponsored. You know, maybe the mom would be sponsored by like a wrinkle cream or, mm. um, <laughs> and then the sons, it would be like probably an alcohol brand mm -hmm. or <laughs> sneakers yeah. or something. And Ryan Reynolds, they'd get just David enough. Yeah. <laughs> they'd get just enough. And then what, maybe they'd have a talk show or a reality show that would just be terrible. Cause this is sort of like the movie that Aaron, that inspired Aaron to write this book. I it could honestly be like the first piece of reality television because you're just watching this family deconstruct in front of a camera that no one stops from mm. running. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, I printed out, I thought, um, when the movie came out, this documentary about them and the documentary, by the way, comes out when the father's already, the, the main character, Leopoldo Pinero, famous Spanish poet who, who, was super controversial because he started he came out you know as a leftist poet and then you know conveniently and i'm not making fun of it. i mean he saved his life he was like okay actually i'm a fascist poet now and mm -hmm. <laughs> love it'd franco be, it'd be like so um oh, oh someone like being obama's poet laureate and then like totally. switching over and being like i maga like yeah. <laughs> no, i mean it's incredible it's, it's wild but you know it it, it wasn't a joke right like mm -hmm. it saves his life on numerous occasions but he the problem is that he never really reverted back to the left yeah but there's this a critic, a movie critic. I'm not sure that the name of the critic was cited. If, uh, but the after the movie came out, a critic wrote, um, "It's a scandal of a movie in which they sell out their intimacy, making an auction out of privacies and memories because they had nothing else to sell <laughs> to keep freeloading and drinking." And then another critic said, "It's a hair-raising settling of scores with a dead man." Oh, man. Urgh, right? Yeah. Ooh. And. Um, uh, People in the family stopped speaking to them and they end up like there was a brief moment of fame. And then it was like a, you know, it was like a, um, oh, who's that? Uh, Britney Spears type thing, like mm. brief moment of fame and fortune. And then at the end of the day, I had a section I wanted to read of, about w the outcomes of one of the brothers, but they're just hobbling around mm -hmm. yeah. with dental problems. Yeah. Fall they keep falling out. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to give the whole title to everybody just so that yeah. they know more of what we're, it's the, this is the age of disenchantments, the epic story of Spain's most notorious literary family and the long shadow of the Spanish civil war. And the reason why I wanted to read that all out is because I did, I had no, <laughs> I had not heard of the Panero anything right. yep. at all I yep. hadn't either. before you, um, introduced the book to us, but it, now it's like one of these things. It's, you know, we we have these where it turns out there's key texts that you'd never even heard of, but yeah. then like have actually inspired a lot of people. Panero is one of those like, oh, like I just never read that because I didn't know what that was right, right. in like you a list yeah, of... He, I was reading something that um, Bolaño in 2666, sure. yeah. the Archimboldi section, the like poet, the, the unnamed like wild man poet was was Benero. so but like, it, it was but it was leopoldo maria it was the son yeah yeah so because the the beginning half of this book is dedicated to leopoldo panero the father who had a storied history but then he has three sons and it's always confusing because the genteel rich but <laughs> impoverished seem to always <laughs> name their everyone's name the same so then he yeah. has a son it's, it's like russian literature jean louise jean louise leopoldo leopoldo maria and then Michi. Mm. And so it's the middle one who Bolano was like, this is one of the greatest poets of any generation yeah. ever. And he was a huge inspiration to, I think, continues to be a lighthouse for freaks. Like, but, you mm -hmm. know, for, I'm not using that word in a derogatory sense. I'm yeah. Affectionate sort of crazy freaks. 
Yeah. Uh, Andy Warhol style or... I, th- th- no, I because think- that's like, that was a red carpet freaks. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> like you can't, not everyone right. got to hang out with Andy Warhol. No, no, more like... Um, I'm like thinking of like Kelly Link, like the people that are, oh, you know, yeah. dead, um, set just huge fans. I, I mean, she seems like she welcomes all types. I don't know. I don't know her per- personally, so perhaps it's not true. But Andy Warhol does not. Whether whether it was his personality or his mm-hmm. handlers, I don't think you could very easily get to Andy Warhol. Could you have? I mean, you had yeah. if you went into Studio 54, fine, but right. you still needed to have the clothes. Mm-hmm. It's more like the village. There's a lot of barriers to entry. Sure, sure, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, it's not like Patti Smith and Robert Mablethorpe at the Hotel Chelsea. Yeah. But it's that, like, that era of... It's like Emma Goldman. I mean, that's really... It's like the anarchists who were living in the village and that ability to, like randomly bump into somebody who was going to change the future but yeah. he w- but but he was i mean there was a period of time where he was actually homeless i mean he spent most of his um life in sanatoriums truly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a line in the book about you know his mother uh felicidad tries to keep him at home but it was mm-hmm. just so expensive because he would break through walls and so it ended up that the only places that could contain him were were insane asylums yeah just mm-hmm. architecturally that could contain him huh. we talk about like you can't make these kinds of things up there's so there's so much plot in this book yeah when you look at like it <laughs> starts it's really dense basically <laughs> it starts with Lorca's death yeah mm-hmm. And then just charges through almost a century. Yeah, and, and it's it's a lot. A which lot is, happens. by the way, like the, when you when you read the book, the first half of the book was very hard for me to read because I thought like this is. I mean, can you imagine if Toni Morrison hadn't died of natural causes, but had been killed by? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that far off right now, right? Yeah, but it still seems far off enough. Whereas in this period of time in Spain, this was happening. Mm-hmm. on the regular mm-hmm. you know this the older the senior leopoldo he lost a lot of friends to gunfire gunfire in yeah. the back of the head i mm-hmm. mean that's that's and that people are still searching for Lorca's remain i mean it's um yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty mind-bending stuff but and you see the way that everyone you know and then he goes and has a fight with Neruda and like yeah. it's all <laughs> I, there's a lot of mind there's a lot of stuff. shade going back and forth there's so much like the the importance of poetry at all just like that that could that your poetry could that get could you start killed, a fight yeah that that you would could be like an absolutely like top like I don't know if it was A-list celebrity but yeah. you know up there based on your poetry or become (laughs) or become one like Mm -hmm. if you look at neruda his career took off when he started writing when it became more uh, political his Mm -hmm. his his work because in the beginning it was love poems yeah right i don't have that wrong i think he started with the love poems and then he became a more social activist and he read the love poems at at the end you know yeah people love them but (laughs) but i don't think it was the love poems like that brought him the worldwide fame well you gotta have the hip hop song first you gotta have the hip hop sure and then you can get pretty weird can i read a paragraph yeah yeah, please so this is from near the end of age of disenchantments when the father figure has passed away and it's just about this fellow leopoldo jr that we've been talking about um leopoldo went to paris to see his adored mercedes a woman not the car (laughs) despite the fact she had broken up with him instead of trying to kill himself as he had done after anna maria moix rejected him he lengthened his anthology of chaos after flooding Mercedes' apartment one day while she was out. I, I, I intend that I mean uh, he flooded it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. He. I mean, after flooding Mercedes' apartment one day while she was out, he lived on the streets, eating from garbage bins and losing more teeth. From now on, he would increasingly live as if his sole purpose in life was to inflate his mythos as a visionary disaster. <laughs> visionary disaster visionary. is my new band name oh my god that, yeah. you know and they never even dated yeah yeah, yeah. because she was a lesbian right <laughs> so and he was gay mm-hmm. by oh, yeah. the by well, well bisexual bisexual it seemed but towards the end he identified more it was sort of like i'm 
gay except for this woman who doesn't want me <laughs> but can you imagine if someone who wasn't even your ex but sort of imagined that you had had flooded your flooded apartment? your apartment yeah that's oh, uh, there, that's never returned to either it's just like no. it's just a light <laughs> note to, they, no to, but when i was talking about like the architecture of keeping him in his mother talks about how just the the the, the structural upkeep because he would he would build fires in the home and he mm. would flood things and he was I don't know, involved in arson, like, oh, God, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I feel like as we try to come up with American or at least like a English-speaking analogs, the closest, and and Aaron Schulman references this, is Great Gardens. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking the, that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right, because right, a social class at that level would be the same, but I don't know that they're commitment to literature was no uh, no right so it wasn't but yeah i mean there is there is in america there isn't there's no tradition so deep that that really ties art together with i I don't think so i mean you have gerald's you have like the great the the conglomerate publishing families like the hearst but they're they're just such a different level of wealth because this 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 is like fake well this is like out where i live in connecticut there's a lot of families like this actually that they, they're in these huge estates but they can only afford to heat one room and mm-hmm. all their cashmere sweaters have moth holes in them and it is a very gray gardens type existence but um no on the national level of importance i can't really you know it's i don't know the obamas are very important but yeah. it's not it, it, it's 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 not the same. No. Yeah, it's like the a lot of misfortune would have to befall the Obama girls oh, in no, order for that. Like, you know what I mean? Let's not wish that on the no, yeah. no. God. no. Right, and I mean, you do have it. It's an interesting thing because you have a uh, a woman who was totally effaced by her husband, who was incredibly smart and a wonderful writer. You know, there's a section in the book where there's an insinuation that she actually wrote his yeah. work that's not really returned to. Um, and then when he dies, she goes on to become this like important socialite, gets her b- book published. But then she has three sons and none of them reproduce. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird, just in terms of genders and reproduction, it's sort of an interesting story. Whereas if you had had three daughters, mm-hmm. yeah. it can't possibly be the same because especially in Spain where, um, you know... <laughs> the possibilities for women are much more limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they go into that for, yeah. for Felicidad, like her, um, her background is like that. She kind of rails against that in, in right, some ways a, that she dares to get a job because there's a part of me yeah. that throughout. I was like, why don't these people get jobs <laughs> instead of they're selling their paintings or selling their, and then I had to remind myself, okay, we're in a Spain where the mother's not truly not supposed to work. It's really looked down upon and sons stay in the house until they're 26 and they get married. Mm-hmm. It's a long time to have three boys. In yeah. the house. But, um, you know, it just wasn't the done mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And apparently their station was important enough to them that they did. They went so far as to sell their own house mm-hmm. before any of them would like get a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's such a strange book in a lot of ways because like, like I said, like I didn't know anything about them going in, but coming out, I feel like now, now it's going to be one of those, um, oh shoot. What's it called? Uh, reference. No. Rosetta Stone. No. (laughs) Um, oh, shibboleth. I remember. Um, it's it's one of these things that's like a frequency illusion now oh. where I'm going to oh, be sure. able to see Panero everywhere. Of course. Because like I've just read yeah. this and now it's like a key text. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, thank you for having us yeah. read it. It's such a, it's, it's so, interesting. And it makes me really want to watch this movie. Um, oh, you have to watch the movie. The, um, it's wild. The, you have to watch the movie, but you have to like have some snacks and stuff because it starts off until you really get into the rhythm and until the they start going after each other, it takes a while. Mm. Just the two, the two brothers sitting at the table. Oh. The one of them has the jacket, like the big jacket over. He has over like a his, carpet on his. I just, <laughs> I would just look at frames from it mm. as yeah. art itself. Which and they is have also, frames uh, in yeah. the book. Of that exact moment where the question, so Louise um, refused to be in the film if he didn't want to be next to Leopoldo. Why? Because they're jealous of each other's poetry. I mean, this (laughs) is insane, right? So he could only be in the shot with his brother Michi. So that scene, they're screaming at each other because Michi had dared ask, you know, how would things have been different if, if, um, something about Leopoldo, if he was here with us in Mm -hmm. the film right now. And uh, again, like, 
I'm taking beginner Spanish right now. And I was just the torrent <laughs> of, of words that all of a sudden and gestures, the yeah. gestures alone in the book, they talk about how critics thought that it was actually sped Better. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to make it to that scene alone. But, it, it, <laughs> but then you, then if you make it to that scene, you really have to hang in there. And I say hang in there just because it's a weird film. Like the rhythm is odd. Mm. It's in, you'll, most people will probably have to watch it in, in uh, with subtitles, which is, can be exhausting, but you have to sit there through the end because it gets, they all turn on their mother. I mean, I just cannot, I can't even tell my mother how much I dislike like the Christmas presents she gives me. <laughs> There's no world in which, I can imagine turning to my mother and just calmly yeah. at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday regurgitate very calmly everything I've ever held against her mm. and how I think she's, you know, ruined my life and what it, uh, they, just because they someone accuse asked. her. Right. <laughs> just because someone asked. Unbeknown, on film. And they, they, they all the sons accuse her of being a coward. And what's amazing is she just sits there like very calmly and in mm-hmm. this really uh, patrician voice response like well you're not being fair to me you know because you weren't a woman at that age it's and the going back and forth she really stands up for herself yeah in a way where i honestly if my own blood and flesh was attacking i mean <laughs> yeah got a breakdown and the amazing thing is they say that the movie you know they had to get everyone to sign off on it mm-hmm. so incredibly these people they the family members they watched it and then said okay yeah, yeah. let's allow that to be shown yeah 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 because I mean, to the point of like, what, what does a modern version of this look like? It's reality, reality TV, TV. Yeah. yeah. And they're all like, "Fuck, sure, we'll sign off on that because it's gonna make us famous, more famous. We'll get our yeah. own shows and stuff." Mm-hmm. And and it's funny, it did it did happen for them, but it just not it wasn't important enough. It didn't last long enough. They tried to do a follow up film, which was a total disaster. You know, no one. It so many are. It mm. didn't really end well. I mean, maybe for the mother, she seemed sort of. Mm. to have it together but the the sons yeah even, yeah. even the like the son that everyone thinks things were going to be okay for michi he ended up the worst of all leopoldo lived the longest mm-hmm. I don't, he must have gotten some dental care along <laughs> <laughs> the losing teeth thing like i just can't yeah. have I, did either of you ever read martin amos's memoir about like his dental problems no, no. this is a really upsetting book <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was thinking of um the samuel beckett book uh malloy where Mm -hmm. he's just like he's always just like he doesn't have any teeth or he's like trying to work with no teeth i don't know i it's just the the teeth thing is really rough (laughs) i love my teeth i use them so frequently (laughs) (laughs) well let's um let's go to a nicer way to end and uh and recommend (laughs) some some recommendations very good recommend some books to people or or other things movies things Uh, do you want to recommend something, Drew? Sure. Uh, one is in that way when you read a couple of things and then you read something else and they all sort of stack up together. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book, The Dinner Guest by Gabriela Ibarra, translated mm-hmm. by Natasha Wimmer. It came out from Transit Books earlier this year. It was on, I think, the Booker International long list mm. last time around. Um, it's It's... Auto fiction e her grandfather was a mayor in Spain and was kidnapped and killed and it's sort of like this mystery that has hung around her family uh, and then it's spliced with her going th- uh, working with her mom through cancer mm. in sort of right. basically the present and sort of being like hey what is the deal with all of my family history um, but it just it felt it was a great I read it right after reading the Age of Disenchantments and it was a perfect follow-up um and then the other thing i want to recommend it feels so obvious to mm-hmm. recommend but it is the testaments the margaret atwood book oh, really? it's so good and something that we were just saying that that idea of when leopoldo is like i'm a leftist and then he's like and now i'm a fascist yeah. and it happens like that there's a without giving anything away there's a moment in the book where atwood interrogates like how quickly can you go from being a good person yeah. to selling everybody else out and she ba- like there's a moment where I could feel her at her desk looking up and winking at the camera <laughs> and sort of like 
it Pretty happens quick. like that. Uh-huh. And it just, huh. it's even thinking about it right now, it's sending shivers down my spine because huh. it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. It's what's happening right now. Mm. Well, uh, Courtney. Yes, I have some recommendations from the from the film world. Um, I just watched a movie called Western, directed by Valeska Griesbach. I might be butchering her last name. I apologize, Valeska. Um, this is it's a feature film, but it has some documentary elements because it's made completely with um, non-professional actors in Bulgaria, and it's the story of a a Western, sorry, a Western, a um, a German company that comes in to build a very specific bit of infrastructure i'm forgetting it, it does a, it's a water pump type situation mm-hmm. um and there's an enormous hostility between the the germans who are there and then the bulgarians and um but there's one man working on the the water project who's really interested in the bulgarians and starts trying to you know, metaphorically get a place at their table and he starts to make friends, but the tensions build to a place where, well, you'll just have to watch the movie. And then, so it's Western, the mm-hmm. name of the movie. And um, and then my other recommendation is from the movie world for anyone um, in uh, Brooklyn, perhaps, or New York, who wants a really nice uh, intellectual escape come out to my neck of the woods, which is sort of upstate Connecticut, upstate New York, and there is a place called Boondocks Film Society. You can find them on all the social, well, on Instagram. Um, And they do once a month these sort of happenings where they'll, so they just did Mad Max in a massive like opera theater. (gasps) And there's no, you can't hear the dialogue. They had a live electronic band come in and score the entire thing. Cool. And then they've shown like Francis Ha in the walled gardens of Troutbeck, which is a, a beautiful wow. new resort. And they had, so you're watching it outside, but they had the choreographers come and do the dances live. Oh, cool. And uh, so it's called Boondocks Film Society. And they do a lot of exciting things in beautiful places. So you can have yourself a little weekend. Um, that so sounds awesome. That's so cool. That's yeah. great. Another good reason to move out of the city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Christopher? Uh, I'm going to recommend a book um, that I read in one sitting, which um, doesn't happen a lot. It was only 140 pages, so it's not the craziest thing. Uh, but it's Billy by Anna Gavalda. It's out from Europa. Um, it's translated by Jennifer Rappaport. And um, it starts with these two people who have um fallen off a cliff or something (laughs) like you're not quite sure like what what um injury has befallen them but one of them seems like he's going to end up um fully paralyzed and and she's just like trying to keep him company and so she's telling the story of their whole friendship um wow and it's oh my gosh that's amazing and uh it's such a she's sort of telling it to him and also telling it to the stars that she's looking up at um and it's about I honestly, I maybe I just read Just Kids, so now I'm thinking about Just Kids all the time. But it really was like this sort of like the connection between um, Patty and Robert. Like that's yeah. sort of what this, you know, um, she's straight and he's gay, and but they have this like connection, and um, they come together over art and creating creating art together. Oh, it's so good, cool, that and it's amazing. the craziest um, translation. Like it's the most lively. Like there's all of this wordplay that I'm just like, how did? <laughs> How did the French word play? Because it's translated from French. Right. How did the French word play like come in? And then how did she find it for to put it in English? Amazing. Jennifer Rappaport she, did an incredible job. She's a huge uh, star in France. Mm. Anna Galva. She's one of their like most beloved and most productive novelists. She puts cool. out like a novel a year. Awesome. Well, this is a an amazing one to start with if you want. And that's so funny because that really answers the question. You know, when when you start out writing like why is the person why is my narrator telling the story i have to find a reason for the narrative <laughs> <laughs> what if they fell off a cliff <laughs> and that's she's exactly keeping him alive that's what i, I love kept it. thinking yeah so yeah that's my recommendation 
Nice. Those are great recommendations. And we also uh, recommend going to pick up a copy of Costa Alegre by Courtney Mom. It's an incredible novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also a slim, short. Yeah. It's a slim little, it's also like a ni- really nice trim size. Like yeah. Oh, and it's with the paper on boards that Tin House has yeah. been. Oh, it's just a really lovely Yeah, beautiful object. cover. Um, it's a lovely holiday gift. <laughs> <laughs> so... So read all those books. You can also um, do things online. You could leave us an iTunes review, five stars, if you wanted to do that. we That's the type of review we like the most. <laughs> um, and we appreciate when you actually write something. Those things really help us. And we say that every time, but it's because it helps us every time. They do make Christopher happy, too. He texts me all of them. Uh-huh. Um, and we also really appreciate when you become a Patreon um supporter at any level um but the ten dollar level we sent this beautiful print um by melissa robles robles yeah um out to our patreon subscribers we hope you all enjoyed those um if you're an influencer you can come find us on instagram or twitter you don't even have to influence you can just be you can just be yeah who imbibes all that stuff. you by being on twitter instagram fun fact you are an influencer um i feel influenced nice (laughs) And now that's it. That's it. We got we got there. Thank, Thank you, you so much for Thank coming, you, Courtney. Courtney. It was my pleasure. Thanks um, for the drink. No problem. <laughs> See you all soon. Bye.